Did you know in this Queen Deep Dive we're discussing today, the original version included improvised vocal accompaniment from the one and only David Bowie. Nope, nope, nope. We're not talking about that number just yet, but we are talking about the number that precedes it. Yes, I'll bet many of you didn't know that there was a version of this that almost went onto the album. It was a very last minute cut, and I'll tell you more about that as we get into today's Queen Deep Dive. Yes, we're almost at the end of Queen's 10th album, Hot Space, released in 1982. This is dive number 118, track 10. And it was written, this was a co-write, a rare co-write between marvelous Freddie Mercury and Disco Deaky, Mr. John Deacon. It's funny, I was just listening to the boys' Live Killers album, and I love the moment where they all come back on stage and Brian introduces all of them again, and he introduces John as on dazzling tie and bass, Mr. John Deacon, and the crowd erupts into a roar for our favorite bassist. I love it. But this is a co-write between our favorite lead singer, our front man, and our bassist. And it's quite a departure from certainly the rock we've heard from these four brilliant men previously. And it's a little more in line with earlier numbers on Hot Space, which of course the first side of this album is particularly dance heavy. We get into more of a classic Queen sound and we've been sitting in that very comfortably the last few songs. But here we have one more nod to the soul and the funk of this era. This is a very funky ballad. I think it encapsulates that feeling very well. Of course, we know John is a big fan of soul music, Motown, pop music in general. Freddie also had an affinity for it. So this number naturally has a lot of that happening. This is Cool Cat. Cool Cat. And it's one of my go-tos when my husband and I are in the car. And I think the reason I choose it is because it's so easy to listen to. It's very surprising that this is Queen. In fact, if I didn't tell you that and I simply started playing this, you probably wouldn't go, oh, this sounds like Queen. Because Freddie's vocal performance is remarkable here for one reason, and we'll get into that as well. Cool cats. I do enjoy this song. I do enjoy it. I am known to play it multiple times in a row because it's quite short, it's brief, it's lovely in its performance. And this was actually the B-side to Las Palabras de Amor, which I spoke about just recently, which was released June 1st of 1982 in the UK. I think it's a good choice. Cool Cat. Las Palabras is, of course, a more grand rock ballad, but this... I think it complements that demeanor nicely. We're at a very slow, relaxed 74 BPM. It's so relaxing, this one. And time signature of 4-4, common time, and one key of E major. But we do have a little bit of minor inflection that takes us on a brief journey through some more reflection in the song. Because Cool Cat 
It's all about being carelessly cool. And here's the interesting spin on the topic of this song. Up until just now, literally just now, I've heard this song so many times. I've read the lyrics so many times. And it only today occurred to me that maybe this song isn't about someone else. Now stick with me. When I first heard this and I read the lyrics, I thought our lyricist, and it's difficult to say whether it's Freddie or John, comments I've read from Freddie make it sound as though the lyrics might be entirely his and maybe the instrumentals are very much John's. But regardless, whether it's Freddie or John, perhaps this song is about himself. It's about the writer. The lyrics, there's a lot of lyrics about this person that this song is about being very careless in their casual dismissal, dismissive (laughs) attitude, trying to be really cool, trying to be bigger than they are. But the singer, the narrator, is struck by this person anyway and is falling for this person anyway. That's, that's the initial impression I get from this. But the more I think about it, and maybe this is me being incredibly too analytical, is maybe the song is about the lyricist themselves, And they're singing about how they're trying to be this person and they're aiming to be very cool and very casual and smooth and charming and all of those things. But at the end of the day, they're still themselves because there's these lyrics of feeling the beat of my heart. And I, I, I don't know. I think maybe this song is a little bit of a spin on that self-reflection. I certainly never thought about it that way until just now, but it gives me a different perspective on it. And I, I understand if that's the angle we're taking here because Freddie has been known as a singer and a songwriter and a lyricist to give us these kind of reflective moments, especially with the recent Life is Real song for Lennon, right? We learned from comments from the band and from Freddie's personal assistant that this song, Life is Real, was very much an admission coming from our front man about the daily ins and outs of what it's like to be inside his mind and inside his body and what he feels like on a daily basis when he's not living that grand, glamorous lifestyle of a rock star, that it's not always like that. That he was lonely, that he was suffocated in some ways, that he felt very hopeless sometimes which might be surprising when, when you consider his attitude and demeanor on a stage, which was generally quite commanding and confident and joyful most of the time. So it, it shows a different side to our front man. And here I wonder if we're getting a little bit of the same thing, a little bit of that reflection. And I'd love to know if this was primarily Freddie as the lyricist or John or both. But I, I think regardless, it gives us a, an interesting angle to think about this song, Cool Cat. It's all about soul in this jazzy, funky, smooth, cool track, Cool Cat, courtesy of our favorite lead singer and bassist. Seventh chords that create this ultimate jazz atmosphere. Freddie and John give us one of the biggest departures in Queen's catalog, something that jives and impresses and relaxes. Surprisingly, almost all instruments save the keyboards from Freddie. They're performed by John. Even the programmed drums, the bass, the guitar, they scream John 
in their delicate precision. The addition of the fluttering synths, thank you, Freddie, is this beautiful, buttery, luscious touch. And of course, his soaring falsetto is the real star. He sits comfortably in his high register, tenderly breezy throughout the entirety of this easy and casual addicting song. It's soft and catchy, a charming performance. These two give us a little magic in the mic, or maybe as Freddie once so assertively sang, a little magic in the air, Brighton Rock. Freddie, what a performance. We never get this again from him, vocally. And he indulges. This is such a satisfying little number. This is what is most surprising, Freddie's vocal performance. I talked about you wouldn't recognize this as Queen, or Freddie, for that matter. If I played this for you, if you think about his natural performances in tone and vocal, I think we get a lot of that in the recent Life is Real. Yes, definitely similarities, definitely Freddie's trademark of expression, but it's quite restrained, incredibly controlled. We get so many sweeping, swooning, ooh, and the way he slides into the notes, it's such a nice compliment against John's instrumental performances here. These two work so well together, and I think it's their affinity for that style that makes this work so well. And a fun little fact, I think of this every time I listen to Beck's Deborah, which if you know the song Deborah, yes, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, perhaps a lot tongue-in-cheek. It's very falsetto. We get a lot of that from Beck in that song. I think her name's Deborah. It's, it's a little bit more dynamic in its expression. But every time I hear that, and it's not just the vocals, it's the style of the song, I think about this because there's a lot of similarity there. And in some ways, I enjoy this song and that song, Deborah, just as much. And this was never played live. Although... I get it. I understand this would have been an interesting number live. I think it's quite, it would have been a challenge because again, we've got Freddie in full falsetto, which is really difficult to do, especially if you're in full chest voice and screaming and yelling at the audience the whole night. Believe me, it is not easy to go from really aggressive, loud vocals to something that's much more restrained, falsetto, a high register very consistently throughout the entirety of the number. It's also difficult to go into a deeper register after you've been singing and screaming and shouting. If you do it right, it's easier, but it's still difficult. Definitely a challenge. And I understand why Freddie would immediately say, oh, darling, I am not doing that on a stage. There's no way. But I do think this would have been interesting to do live because, well, no Roger or Brian here. No, absolutely none of our drummer, nothing from our guitarist. Almost all instruments played by our beloved bassist, of course, except for those synthesizers. That is a rarity that two queens sit out on a song. And there's rumors that the reason for this is because Roger and Brian had had it 
They didn't like the fact that so much of Hot Space was so not rock and roll, and they were simply like, okay, you don't need us on this one. We're done with this. Honestly, John and Freddie together on this, it's perfection. You don't necessarily need the other two, but here's the thing. Live, this would have been, I think, a wonderful revival of something a little more rock because we would have had all four of them. We would have had, undoubtedly, John on bass. Brian would have picked up the guitar portions of this. Roger would have jammed out a little bit heavier on those drums. And perhaps Freddie, being the master vocalist he was, could have dropped into a lower harmony or a lower register for this to make it work. And I think it would have been a magical piece anyway. And I would have welcomed that performance. But no, we never got that live. Kind of sad. Would have been a great adventure. Now, my big opening secret statement I gave you, an earlier version included improvised vocal accompaniment from the one and only David Bowie. This version has more minimal guitars. I've heard a few different cuts, actually, and I don't know which one is the true early version, but it had minimal guitars. It lacks the arpeggios, the warm arpeggios that we'll hear on the album. Freddie's vocals are a nice variation as well, a little less polished maybe, perhaps more dynamic in expression. David's little bum, 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 that little arpeggio, those hits. And we get a little bit of, of spoken vocal from him. Here's the thing. I get why they were omitted at the end of the day because David was the one who wasn't pleased with his own performance and he requested the removal at the 11th hour and it actually delayed the release of Hot Space. Brian specifically said that. And in fact, I'm going to get into that right now from Brian, quote, David just did a backing track. I don't think anyone thought any more about it except that it was a nice ornamentation. We just sent him a courtesy note telling him that we had used it. And he said, I want it taken off because I'm not satisfied with it. Unfortunately, he didn't tell us until about a day before the album was supposed to be released. So it really set us back. It delayed the album's release, unquote. And that was from Brian at International Musician and Recording World, the 21st of July in 1982. And to add to that, we have a quote from another band member. David Bowie did backing vocals on one of my songs that was not under pressure. And when it came to be released, he didn't like what he did. And I was like, a-hole tells me right at the tail end when the thing's just about to come out. So anyway, it's just artistic license. He just didn't like his voice. And I said, fine, it's quite easy. All I do is erase his vocal. He didn't do any in-depth vocal at all. It was just a background. He just didn't like it. I think it was unnecessary, but I mean... No, I'm not one of those B, I'm not going to say that word, queens. No, he's all right. He's okay. <laughs> Unquote. Guess who that was? The one and only Freddie Mercury at Radio 1990 in 1984. I love it. He's like, darn it. He tells me at the very last minute, I want to take this off. No animosity there, no negativity. These guys really did respect each other. But obviously, can you blame Freddie? Can you blame Brian? I mean, if it were me and I collaborated with someone and they told me the day before, 
oh, oh, I'm sorry. We got to get rid of that. Guys, it's not easy. It's not easy to go back and strip down something out of a track and mix it and finally master it and get it all dialed in and polished again. And of course, we're talking about way back when things were not done digitally as much. And you had to do things in a much more analog way. And you had to repress everything. (laughs) It would have been a big deal for something like that to happen. So I understand the frustration on Queen's end, but I also understand the omittance of this, the deletion of this, because it was a good call. Trust me, it's charming and it's fun to hear David's little ornamentation, as Brian called it. It's great, but it doesn't need to be there. If you're familiar with the track, and we're gonna talk about it in a minute, It's so simple in its structure, and that's what makes it so appealing, in my opinion. I think David's extra vocals are honestly a little bit of a distraction, and I'm glad that they're not there because this sits much more comfortably and relaxing. It just makes sense that David is not there. I know, I'm criticizing David Bowie, but if you go and listen to that song, I do think that you'll perhaps feel the same way I do, that it's not a necessary inclusion. You don't need to have that there. So a little fun quote, quoting session from two of our queens here. And it's interesting that Brian didn't even play or perform on this song, but he still has that little snippet to say about David's contribution to Cool Cat. I have some criticism In a 2016 article, Louder called this, are you ready, Queen's worst song ever. Quote, another Mercury Deacon collaboration pushing the gay funk pop influence to such an extent that neither May nor Taylor had anything to do on the song. David Bowie originally sang backup ad-libs. But shortly before the album's release, he demanded the removal of his vocal track. It's not hard to see why. All he does is mumble a few half-hearted bum-bum-bums under Freddie's camp falsetto. Plus the song's rubbish. Unquote. Ouch. The song's rubbish. I'm sure you know how I feel about that. I have a hard time whenever anyone says anything from Queen is rubbish or garbage or bad or camp, or whatever. I specifically remember this interview that they were giving in 1976, I think it was. Were they in Perth? I don't remember exactly where it was, but but I can see the video in my head. It's one of my favorites from them, where the interviewer specifically calls out, especially Freddie's performance as camp, and Roger's the one to come in and defend it and say, you know, it's not camp. It's not over the top. It's, it's rock and roll. And I think there is a fine line between this extroverted, really over-the-top showmanship and camp. But, I mean, you could say that Freddie, this was just part of his personality and a facet of it. And I think it was necessary to have that as part of the performance. You needed that. Of course, all four of the guys were very important in Queen's lineup. We've talked about that to the ends of the earth, and I would defend it forever because Queen was always so much more than just Freddie. But he was a visionary as they all were in their own respect. And he brought his biggest personality facets to the table. And it was very important. Anyway, tangents. But I do have some praise. Washington Post called this a display 
of melody-making talent from the hit-making instincts of the band at their most acute. And on the fan side, I read a lot more praise for this than criticism. Acknowledgement for this track's uniqueness is surrounded by love for its smooth performance. I think generally fans kick back with this and say, yeah, I like to chill out to cool cat. I specifically see, I specifically see and read a lot of younger fans really embracing this song as something that they particularly enjoy. And it's great because the mood of the song the vibe of it, the jive of it is such a throwback. You don't hear a lot of stuff like this. You don't hear this kind of mellow, funky, soulful jazziness anymore. It's really almost non-existent from at least artists that are in the limelight these days. So for people that are a little bit younger to be like, yeah, I like Cool Cat. I love that. And you know, straight away, this doesn't sound or feel anything like Queen. But it's so convincing in its groove, that shuffling three, two, three rhythm. One, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. You know, it doesn't jump out at you, but it's absolutely present there. The distant echo of that keyboard, arpeggios layered into the drums. John's staccato, precise bass. Da, ch, da, da, ch. And that crisp dancing guitar. Dee, 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 dee. Oh, it's so good. John, you got the touch, the Midas touch. And just like that, here comes Freddie. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, it is so buttery smooth. These E major seventh chords, A major seventh chords, easy breezy chord transitions. You're taking all the sunshine away. Listen to Freddie all the way through this. Rarely does he repeat a melody or a phrasing. It's so unpredictable, which is nice, because it's a contrast to the repetitive instrumental arrangements. The drums, they never deviate. The bass, it sometimes glissandos down. John is known for that, bringing a little bit of variation that surprises us. Those staccato strikes maintain the rhythm. And as we get comfortable with these chords into a pre-chorus of sorts. Cause you're a cool cat, tapping on the toe with a new hat. Woo, just cruising. This F major seventh and a B. Feeling the beat of my heart. It's just, it flutters along effortless. Another chorus, yes, back to back, an interesting arrangement, right? We don't have first chorus, first chorus. There's so much here that's unpredictable. And we get some layered harmonies all from Freddie. Ooh, you're all right. Hanging out and stealing all the limelight. Messing with the beat of my heart. What a performance. What melisma from our front man, perfection. But let's think about these lyrics. Remember what I was saying about how this might be the lyricist, the narrator's reflections on himself. You're all right, hanging out, stealing all the limelight, messing with the beat of my heart. Is he saying that as a performer, as a front man, or as a, just an artist, it's a distraction from who he really is? Am I getting way too deep here? His tone flawless, immaculate, no fault to find in these falsettos. Those bass rolls I talked about, here's a fantastic one at the end of that phrase, before the bridge kicks in. 
do. Notice how the magical synths dip out and it's all atmospheric. C sharp, minor seventh, and D seventh sustained second here. This full of tension, uncertainty. I love the emotions that come to the surface when these kinds of chords are used, the natural demeanor for these suspended minor chords. It's as though we're with Freddie in his thoughts as he navigates, unable to determine how to feel, whether this is about himself or someone else. Ooh, you're wishing and hoping and waiting to really hit the big time. But did it happen? Happen? This is magical. What a smooth roll and this flow. John on bass, those gentle buttery chords in it, in front of it all. Freddie, wow. And into the end of it. You better slow down, slow down. You better slow down, slow down. We're back in the groove. Those glorious arpeggios, this shuffling, easy, breezy thing. John keeps stealing my attention on bass and guitar. We get some surprising bursts on the former. Feeling the beat of my heart. Ow. A cat-like, hey, hey, cool cat. Perfect moment. The control of Freddie, I can't get over it. What's happening throughout this song with his vocals? Such restraint, the movement through it. Hard to believe this is the same man who gave us such angst and aggression in Another One Bites the Dust, and we will rock you. But that's the magic of marvelous Freddie Mercury. And John, not to be outdone by our front man with his creativity, his soulful vision in all its smooth jiving. Such an easy, enjoyable listen, Cool Cat. And while it's nothing like Queen's rockin' numbers we've heard, it's definitely something special. And I still can't believe it took me this long to think, hey, maybe our narrator is singing about himself the distractions of this kind of lifestyle he's trying to live. But deep down, feeling the beat of my heart, I don't know. Maybe I'm going way out trying to make that work, but that's how it comes to me now. I don't think I'm ever going to hear this song quite the same way. And that is Cool Cat, stepping on the door with a new hat. If it isn't obvious, <laughs> I love singing this. It is a great vocal number to work with because, again, there's such control here. And there's a, such a, a variation in every phrase that nothing is repeated. There are moments, like when he sings, ooh, you're a cool cat, you know, that, that's repeated. But there's almost some kind of variation every single time. That's what keeps us interested because, again, the, the musical arrangement of this is quite simple. You know, we've got a programmed drum beat with very minimal percussion, I might add. It's simply keeping time. And we have that bass, which is a little bit of a voice all its own here. John is so good at that. We have some very clean, crisp guitar. And then we have that little fluttering synth in the background. That's it. That's it. We don't have grinding, deep red special here from Brian. We don't have the big bombastic drums of Roger. Nope. This is really, really soft and fun and jazzy. I love it. Feel the beat of my heart. Ow. Yes, it's a good one. Cool cat. Go check it out. No live performances to enjoy, but 
go check out the demo version of this, the version that nearly made it onto the final cut of Hot Space in 1982, the version that David Bowie said, no, I want my vocals off that little number of yours. And I think it was a good call, despite the animosity of Freddie. I get it. I get it. It's a lot to do at the 11th hour, but I get it. And it was a good move. Enjoy Cool Cat. I'll be back next time with a song that everyone knows and continues to dominate in our society. It amazes me how relevant it still is and always has been since its inception. But we'll talk all about that song next time. I anticipate it will be quite a lengthy episode. So get ready to dive in with me. Until then, keep yourselves alive. Listen to some good music. Listen to some Queen. Take in whatever you love. Check out Deborah from Beck. You'll hear some similarities there for sure. That album that Deborah's on, Midnight Vultures, is heavily perhaps influenced by the funk of Prince a little bit, among other artists of that time. But if you like that kind of jive, I think you'll like that whole album, Midnight Vultures. I was just watching some Beck stuff. Beck's a constant. He's a bit, he's a bit like Queen for me in my rotation. I'm always going back to his catalog and listening to something. That endless appeal, just like Queen, something for everyone. And this is definitely different, Cool Cat, but a jiving number all its own. So enjoy. I'll be back next time, guys. Hang in there. Love to you. And give yourself a break today and take it in with Cool Cat. I'll be back next time.